As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, everybody, welcome back. To another episode of one of these years. I'm, of course, Dick Bummer, along with Colton Pouncey. Lions back off the bye. Uh, Dallas this week, Colton. How was your bye, first and foremost? How are we, how are we feeling? Are you a little sick last week? Are we uh, yeah. rebounding well here? It was, it was good. Relaxing. I went back to Chicago, got to see some family and friends, got a little healthier over the bye. Can't say the same about the Lions. No, <laughs> we're doing good over here. <laughs> you, Colton's body is healing. Uh, the Lions' bodies are not as much, which was a little surprising, I, I think, and that's where we'll start this week. Uh, a little surprising, as Dan Campbell talked yesterday, uh, his re- recording here on Thursday morning, talked Wednesday for the first time after the bye, and uh, Colton, I think we expected a couple guys to still be hurt, of course, and to be hurt for a while, but I think we expected a couple guys to maybe be like closer to fresh, and I don't yeah. know if that's necessarily the case. Uh, what what uh, what was the report yesterday and the injuries and all that uh, coming up? Yeah, I mean, two guys we didn't really ask him about on Monday, um, DJ Chark and DeAndre Swift, and those are two guys that... Had missed the previous game. Swift missed the last two games, so he hasn't really played since right. that um, that Minnesota game. And so we were kind of like, okay, what's what's the deal with these two? And Campbell was just like, you know, I would say they're both a little bit better, and that's about as good as I can give you right now. And so when wow. he said it like that, coming off of all that time off, we, I mean, mm-hmm. the expectation was those guys were going to be back in the mix that they'll be healthy for the last you know twelve games or so. Yeah, like, yeah, for a stretch. Hope. Yeah, that's what you hope at least, and. I mean, swift practice, but the fact that he's still kind of dealing with the ankle and shoulder injuries, you know, that's kind of concerning. He says he's going to try to play through it, but, you know, we'll see there. And then Jarek, yeah. like, did not practice Wednesday. Um, I think his injury is that, that ankle that he had surgically repaired last oh. year. So, that you know, that's not good whenever no, a guy's going good. through the same thing. So, I'm not really sure what his status is going to be this week, but... Um, I would probably imagine that Swift is going to try to play through it at this point, but the fact that Chark still isn't practicing, the fact that he's still dealing with that, that's a little concerning. I mean, you signed yeah. him to be this vertical deep threat, and we haven't really seen him a ton on the field this year, and that's not good whenever you lose a guy like that. So Yeah, with, with Chark, I, I, you'd want him, I was just going to say, like, there's probably the conventional thought, uh, the, uh, people's mind maybe goes to like, well, when Jameson gets back, then who cares, yeah. <laughs> right? Which is not really how you should think about that, because... You know, he, number one, we don't know necessarily when he's going to come back. I think they expect it to be, did they talk about Jameson, first of all, yesterday at all, or no? 
Yeah, so Campbell was asked if he still expects Jameson to even play at all this year or yeah. if they need to have a conversation about shutting him down. I think that probably caused some confusion on Twitter when they saw his comments because he said, yeah, mm-hmm. I still expect him to play this year. Okay. Yeah. Out of context, it's like, wait, what happened? Is Why was the that keep moving? Yeah. Why is, right. Yeah, right. is he not playing this year? But yeah, I think that was you just answering a question. Like, I expect Jameson right. to play. It might not be till sometime Week in November. Week 10 or something, or, sure. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably still a few weeks away. But, right. Yeah. But, but to my point, like, I think the, the some people's logic might be, okay, well, when he gets healthy, then who cares, right? And I... I mm-hmm. I don't think that that's how we should look at this because when he gets healthy, it's going to be game one, week one for him, whenever it is. He's never yes. done this before in the NFL. And it's going to be, you know, we're, I would assume they're going to go out there and let him hit for like two weeks or whatever it is. That's the first time he's going to get hit in like a year. Yep. There's a lot, you know, that's going to be a lot. And it's going to have to be, he's going to have to be eased in. There's no reason to rush him. There would be no reason to keep more on his plate than necessary and frankly, you want DJ Chark for what Colton, what you just said. He's the vertical blow the top off guy. And I know Jamison can be that guy too, but DJ's bigger and he can take one of your bigger corners with him. And like he just frees up more space when you have all the guys there. Yeah. So yes, that is concerning. That is a surgically repaired injury that is sort of bugging him uh, and that he's had extra time and it's not there yet. Um, Swift, I, you know. I'd be less concerned about because he practiced, like you said. Yeah. Um, but not nothing because, and I guess we'll see, you know, you, you want Swift to be at a spot where you can just like lean on him every week. That's what you want. He's yeah. not going to get paid. Look, at, here's the deal. He, he is not going to get paid the way he wants to get paid if he can't become like what Kamara is. Yeah. Is that fair? That's I think so that fair. that's I think that's fair to say. And he's not there yet, and that's what we're. That's I think that's what we're waiting on now, right? For for DeAndre, and that's probably the challenge for him going forward. Yep. I mean, he said yesterday that he actually hurt the ankle initially in the second quarter of the Eagles game. So that was week one, like, right I away. Realize, yeah, I don't know if it was that. I didn't realize it was that early, but yeah, wow. Yeah, second quarter, week one, and he's been dealing with that thing ever hmm. since. So it's not really going away. And he picked up the shoulder injury, so he's dealing with both now. And yeah, you know, when you look at running backs across the league, like, I mean the. The best ability is availability, right? Like exactly. You got the it's field. the load. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't matter how talented you are. The things you can do in space. If you can't help your team on a week, week weekly basis, you know it's kind yeah. of tough for him. And I get it. He wants to play, and he's always answering questions about his durability and yep. like, dudes yep. pushing him. And is he soft? Like all those questions and errors are out there. And I think he probably hates that. But yeah, I think at the so same too. time, it's like that's just the situation that he's been in really since he entered the league. Like these injuries, nagging things, missing games here and there has yet to put together a full season and you know for if he wants to get paid like you mentioned like that's kind of what you have to do yeah and maybe that's why Campbell was kind of like with Swift was kind of like we'll see right like mm-hmm. I don't know like maybe and, and that's kind of because that's the last little bit that the franchise has to answer the question that they have to answer before they make any decision on him going forward like hey man like can you play through the nagging stuff because that's going to happen all the yeah. time every year um, you're going to have the shoulder and the ankle, and you're going to have to just go through it. You're just going to have to figure it out. Can you do it? And I think he wants to. Like you said, Colton, we've heard nothing different from him. But this is the probably the big test of, here we go, man. You're dinged up. They need you. And you got to play now. And, and and they can do a lot here to hide him and take some load off. And that's what Jamal Williams is for. That's what the line is for. But you got to answer the bell. They need him to be at his best for 17 touches on Sunday or whatever. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's gotta be a fair ask going forward. And I guess we'll see 
it, it's 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 you don't want to see it like that, but in some ways it's an interesting test here. I think for him yeah. in these next couple of weeks, right? To see I think so too. how he handles it. I thought, and, and actually, when he spoke yesterday, because normally when we get Swift, it might be like in a in a you know a pile in the locker room with yeah. the scrum. They had him at the podium yesterday, and I, I thought that was actually the best that he's you know sounded he's better that all way. Year. Yeah, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, very engaged. Was like, you know what? Injuries happen. I get it. Like early in my career, I might have you know been down on myself, but all I did, all I could do was rehab and try to work through it and try to work my way back as fast as possible to help the team. And I feel like I'm in a good place. I'm going to try to push through it on Sunday. So yeah, he was saying all the right things in that setting. I, I think a lot of the beat guys would agree. That yeah, that was uh, probably the best he sounded all year. Um, yeah, this so, is. Uh, you know, we'll see Sunday. This is a good test room. I mean, they're playing the Cowboys too. I mean, this is uh, supposed to not missing that game. This is a big. <laughs> you, I mean, this is like you know, yeah. this is a test. This is a test, and and it's proving time. You know, it's like we talk about guys in contract years and all that, and opportunities on the table, and Deuce talks to those guys about money. Like, man, yeah, this you, is money time right today. here. Yeah, yep. this is, and so today. he's definitely a guy that I think that uh, that you're looking at uh, in that situation. Another thing that that got brought up yesterday, uh, which or on Wednesday, which was awkward or weird or whatever for the for the first time Dan Campbell got asked if he had a conversation with Sheila in this middle of the season um first of all I don't know how people took all that on on Twitter Uh, if you want to walk us through the context of it and then sort of what he said and then we can talk a little bit about the whole thing the frustration and everything else because it's a you know it's important it's not nothing because the frustration yeah. is real, and I think it's fair to discuss a little bit of that. So, so, so I don't want it to be out of context. You were there, Colton. Walk us through right. the whole thing. What happened? There. Um, yeah, it was kind of like right off the bat. He was just asked about you know the bye week. I think it's normal for a coach to talk to yeah. the owner and fill them in. Oh yeah, um, on the happenings of the team, especially in a especially bye week with Sheila off. and her office is right next to Dance now, right? She's yeah. in the yep. So uh, he was like, yeah, you know what? I told her everything I saw, the things that we need to be better at. Offensively, defensively, special teams, myself, and moving forward. Uh, so really everything. And he was like, mm-hmm. I looked at everything with our team. And I, I passed it along to her. And I shared all those thoughts and, and kind of where we're going and how we're moving forward. And then he was asked a follow-up question about maybe her thoughts on the, on the team. And that's when he was like, you know, I would say she understands. She's very supportive. But she's frustrated. And mm-hmm. she should be. Uh, we all believe we should be better than where we're at. But I do know she's all in. Yeah. Um, and I know that she believes in what Brad and I are doing. So that's pretty much it. So those were, that's the context of the conversation. Uh, yeah. I think it started as a, 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 you know, by question, like how much did he fill her in on things and then kind of where she's at. And we don't really get to talk to her. So I actually thought the question was, you know, fair. Yeah. Like just mm-hmm. based on where she's at. And because the team hasn't performed its expectations. I mean, they're that's one fair. And four. They expect to do better. They're struggling. We, maybe we didn't, but they're, they expect it to be yeah, better than fair. where they are. And, um, it is a fair question, but it's also feels a little too early to get the owner <laughs> yeah. involved in it's, Campbell and everything. It feels kind of I don't know. What yeah. do you think? <laughs> well, I mean, it's it is and it isn't. It's weird. It's you know, it's always gonna be one of those that's awkward. But I think that this one, I don't I didn't hate it okay. because for one reason and one like the Patricia stuff used to get used to get old because for a time, it was Martha, and it wasn't Sheila, right? It, they were in that transition period. Well, I guess it was, but publicly, it still wasn't. And a lot of the questions we were asking at the time of, because we never talked to Quinn uh, either, and Patricia was the only guy we ever talked to, were questions that were like, who the hell owns the team? <laughs> like, who <laughs> who is running? Who are you talking to? Like, who is your boss, right? Yeah. And so it felt, it would feel weird, and eventually... You know, that transition happened. But when Campbell and Holmes got hired, Sheila 
had made that sort of switch from sort of like what Chris and I used to call like the shadow owner because she was like running the team and Martha was still uh, more or less the public face. And then they made that switch in whatever that offseason was and she became very involved. And then they hired Campbell and Holmes and she was super involved in that. And then they made the whole, you know, she talked about how she moved her office um, into basically into Allen Park, into the facility, down the hall from Dan and Brad's. And really made sure, I thought, without saying it publicly, she was telling the fans in that period of time, I am going to hold these guys accountable. I'm going to do my best to do whatever I thought my dad's original, like, we're going to hold him accountable. We're going to, and he was horrible at it, okay? Like, to be fair, for all those years, and all the reports on William Blayford was he was a super nice guy, too nice, and was too trusting. Her, I think she has made a concerted effort to tell the fans, I'm going to try to hold these guys accountable. I really am. I understand that we as a family have really not done that in the last 15 whatever years. I think that that's her sort of saying all that. So fast forward to this question, I didn't really have an issue with it because Sheila's been involved. And you're right, we don't talk to her every and we shouldn't talk to her every day. I mean, she no, shouldn't be talking. Talk yeah, she shouldn't be like Jerry Jones out there talking to us. <laughs> but... The fact that her and Campbell are still having a dialogue, I think that's important to know. And the fact that she's frustrated is important to know that she doesn't not give a shit. Like, I think that that's the thing to take away from that. And um, and it remains to be seen. All of it remains to be seen. All of it right now is still talk. But I still like the fact that she's in there. And um, he's keeping her. And that's the thing. That's the one thing that I'll never not like about Dan Campbell is no matter what happens here, if he loses every single game the rest of the way and is horrible every single game the rest of the way, he's honest. He is dead honest. He could have just lied about that question and not answered it, but he's honest. And you know that he walked in there and told her and every time they have a discussion, they're honest about things. And I think that that's a good thing. And I think that right now um, it's frustrating time, but I think you can take a little bit of solace in that. I do think that they're in a better shape, you know, whatever, structurally, to be in a position to hold someone accountable. Now, you got to actually do it, but like, you know what I'm saying? That's a long-winded yeah. take. But I didn't think that that was nothing. You know what I mean? Like people people want to know that sort of thing and I, I think that Campbell being open about it is is pretty cool or it's at least different. Yeah, I agree. And I I do think we're still far away from having that conversation where Oh we, yeah, you know, that, the that yes. Regime and everything. Yeah. They're still but, together all the way. Yes, yeah. that's important to know. Um, that is important. And also, you know, you see Sheila kind of around the practice facility. And yeah. She would go to practices like during training camp and preseason mm -hmm. and stuff like that. I think I would still see her around a little bit in the regular season. But, yep. um, you know, she's around. She's engaged. She's involved. So it's, it's not like she she really needed a full breakdown. Like it's not to where it's like, all right, yeah. tell me everything that's going on because she's that's paying attention. Honestly. Fair to say. Yeah, right. And, and that's um, different, too. Yeah. That's different, too. And I think that we used to wonder that in the media. Like we used to. And if we're wondering it, the fans are, too. You know, and like during the Quinn Patricia era, a huge part of the problem was is anyone paying attention? Is anyone guarding yeah. these guys? Is anybody like, do they see that they're drafting Jelani Tavai in the second round and it's not working? Like, is this, you know, is this okay? And yeah. we would never get an answer. And, you know, it's like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if they're paying attention. And like, you just nailed it, Colton, because it's like, he didn't have to go in there probably and give her a detailed report or anything. She's seen everything. You know, she's been there. And so we talked a lot that 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 first year that um, she sort of took over and they reset Brad Holm or uh, Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia and people got all mad and it was 
At the time, it was probably still, they should have fired him, all this. But I still understood it, and I still gave her benefit of the doubt because I think in that time, and I think history has proven right in this uh, since then, she was, you know, Sheila was getting her feet under her in the NFL and trying to survey the landscape and trying to, because she really hadn't been involved in her previous life, trying to get as much information as she could, trying to be a responsible NFL owner. I, I've seen nothing from her in the time since then to now that suggests anything different. In fact, it's been very engaged, like you said, and I think that'll just continue. I, I, I think that's been good. And it's, whatever happens on the field with these guys, I mean, they took a chance on, on them, right? They were first-year GM, first-year coach. Yep. But and that still that still remains to be seen. But like, I think that all in is a fair. I've heard nothing to dispute that. Right. And I I would say if I had and I and I haven't. And I don't think you know. I don't think Chris has either. And Colton same here. So I think they're all on board together still, right? I think that that's the point to make coming out of the bye. There's no. I have sensed no like we're oh god <laughs> we're. We're going into the deep water and drowning and we don't know what the hell to do. Like, it's yeah. not what they wanted, but it's not panic either. And I think that that's fair to know, right? And in a way, if that conversation took place with Sheila, Campbell, and Holmes, maybe all in the same room, I think that probably helps with some of the things we were yeah. talking about last week where there may or may not be a disconnect and like, we're 100%. trying to win now, but we don't have the players and we're trying to be patient. But yeah, we also know that it. our jobs depend on, you know... If that conversation took place with those three all together, um, mm-hmm. I think that helps too. So yeah, you know, not, exactly. maybe not a bad bye week for them with that. Maybe not. Time. We'll see. And you know, obviously this week we'll 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 see one way or the other. Um, you know how it all shakes out. One thing that we wrote about um, earlier in the week, uh, Colton. Actually, let's take a break here and then let's come back because I think we're going to get Zoom paused. So let's take a break here and we'll come back. And I want to unpack what we wrote about uh, some of the defensive issues. Um, and some of the stuff that maybe can or can't be fixed right now, uh, things that we wrote on Monday. So let's take a quick break here and we'll come right back. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. 
Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Okay, we are back. And Colton, let's talk about the thing that people do and don't want to talk talk about here. As we just got done talking about the, uh, we were talking a little bit about the transition there from Patricia to Campbell. And the one thing that hasn't changed is the defense is still a disaster. And uh, we wrote a little bit about this uh, story published earlier in the week. And we went back through um, in detail and sort of went over everything. And I think the the one thing, Colton, that I wanted to unpack as much as anything there was how much of this is, you know, coaching staff issues? How much of this is front office issues? How much of this is you don't have enough in the deck? How much of this is, you know, you need to call the game better or you're making poor decisions in game? Um, before I give my final answer, what, where did you sort of land on all that? Where did you, you know what I mean? It's a hard question, I know. And in certain places, I think it's a different answer. But like, where did you sort of land on all that? Yeah, I don't think you can point to one thing because it's not one thing. It's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of different things involved here. Yeah. Um, but I think some of the clips that you provided with this and we were kind of breaking this down, it's just like, you know, this is just player execution. Like you can't whiff at the line when you're trying to press and, right. you know, things like that where you're just like, these guys are lost out there um, right. and they don't really know what they're doing. And I guess you can say some of that is coaching and maybe the message and the communication is not getting through to them, but... A lot of it, I'm sure they're they're like, this is what you need to do in your yeah. assignment. That's exactly. all we need from you. And they're still not doing it. And like at that point, it's like kind of Correct. beyond the coaches. Um, but I also think the coaches certainly deserve some some blame um, for continuing to put them in bad spots or, you know, not making a change soon enough because you rely on your guys and you're confident in your guys and they just can't get it done. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think when we kind of went through this, we kind of covered all of it. I was, I like the way it turned out. I like the story yeah. that we ran on Monday. Um, and we kind of got into a lot of different things, but you know, again, I don't think it's just one thing. I think there's so many things you can point to from this, the story that we got yeah. into, um, the injured guys, um, some guys that have regressed along the way, uh, not making changes sooner, soon enough. And then, you know, continuing to put guys in bad spots. I think it's all kind of led to what we've seen defensively. Yeah, and I and I want to talk a little bit here about, this is a good time to do this, about coaching in the NFL and what can be expected and what cannot be expected. Because I feel like a lot of times NFL fans, especially here, because we have two big college teams that are that take up a lot of air, and most Lions fans are either, not most, but a lot of Lions fans are either a Michigan or Michigan State fan. They're college fans, right? Mm-hmm. And they see, in college, they see these guys get recruited. They see the development. They see the change. They see... You know, hey, can you bring in a kid who doesn't have a lot of talent and can you turn him into a really good player? Or, hey, can you bring in a really talented player and make him a talent, you know, make sure that he stays a talented player? We can see that in college and say that's a sign of a good developer and a sign of a good coach. When you get to the NFL and the difference between what's coaching and what's, you know, on a player, 
when we say, okay, uh, they're out there and five guys are playing cover two and six guys are playing, or, you know, the other whatever, not six, but the other whatever are playing cover three. We're playing two separate defenses. We don't know what we're doing and we're confused at the call, right? Like we don't know what the call is. We don't know what our assignment maybe is on this. Those are coaching issues. And so when we see those things pop up on tape, and we have over the years, we used to see it all the time, actually, with Patricia. That was the biggest issue with Patricia's defenses. Half the defense is playing one thing, half is playing another. That's what we would see in pre- all the time, in fact. <laughs> we saw it some last year here early at times, and it wouldn't be half. It would be two or three, and that would improve and it would go up and down and all this. And those are conversations you can have about, you know, does that player, is he at a level where he can understand and all this? That's And that's a different layered thing. However, at the end of the day, like what you're saying earlier, Colton, when a guy is making a drop in coverage and getting juked out of his shoes and falling down at the top of a route or getting turned around or spun and not talking or being so laser focused on, you know, not getting beat, that's not a coach's fault. That's a player's fault all the way. That is a player issue in the NFL from start in every case, 10 out of 10. This is not college. They are being paid a large sum of money. They've been drafted all this, right? You need to be able to execute every single coverage on the book. It is their job to tell you what you're in, coach you what they want you to do, but the basics of how to do it, you need to know how. And I think that that gets confused and conflated sometimes. Well, this corner sucks. Fire the coach. What? No. Like, that's not always how this, you know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. not the case in the NFL. And I, I think that it's important sometimes to, to, to sort of, like, draw the line between, like, what you can blame a coach on and what you can't. You know what I mean? Like, it's very different. And I think sometimes people get lost in that. I, I Am I wrong? What is your take on that? Because I feel like sometimes I hear people complain at me. I'm like, I don't know. I feel like you're complaining about something else. Like, you don't quite understand. Or there's a disconnect there. I don't know. Maybe I'm blowing too much of it. No, I, I like your breakdown of the differences between college and the NFL game. Because, you know, probably a yeah. lot of our listeners and uh, readers Most of are, them are. Right. Yeah. You know, they, they watch Michigan every Saturday. They watch Michigan State every Saturday. Yeah. And for me, making that transition from college to the NFL, I've kind of seen that myself. Like, mm-hmm. the few August practices that were open for MSU, uh, MSU football... Yeah, we'd see Mel Tucker. He's basically acting as a cornerbacks coach at Michigan State right now. So you'd see <laughs> right. him like tugging someone's jersey, being like, "I need you to line up right here. I need you to backpedal right here. I need you to turn your hips and flip them and run." Yep. And you see yep. it, the hands-on training, every and, and single detail. Get. Yeah, every single detail. They're out there every single day doing that, and like you're like, okay, yeah, he's coaching him, and that yep. that's college coaching. But in the NFL, when you're drafting players to fit a scheme, or you're drafting players to not have to coach them up. You you hope that the development came yeah, yeah. mostly in college. You don't have to go through all the little things with them at this point. They're professionals exactly. are getting paid. Um, so for them, it's like, for a guy like Aaron Glenn, my job is to come up with a game plan to stop an opposing offense and figure out which players can help me do that. And exactly. And put them in those positions. And so it's really less about, you shouldn't be able, you shouldn't be at this point where you're still teaching guys what to do. Like they should be, have at least somewhat of an understanding of what to do. And if you need to coach them up a little bit, that's certainly fair. And you have guys that can do that. But at the same time, mm-hmm. it's like you watch film with them, you show them what to do, and they're supposed to go out and execute. And right. if they can't do that, 
you got to move on. You got to make an adjustment. Um, I think they were kind of still in that process. They maybe took a little too long to get there with some of these guys. Um, like Yakamani, who mm-hmm. they depended on last year. You know, he had some interceptions, some timely plays for them. But uh, he's kind of regressed a little bit this year. And they made a move finally last week to, to you know, have him inactive. And a couple weeks ago, I should say. Um, and they're, they're starting to move some personnel around and kind of, you know, try to get the most of this group that they have. But... Again, at the same time, like their job is to try to win games with players. And I think some of the guys that they put out there just weren't getting the job done. Like Exactly. I, based yeah. on the clips that you provided, I think it's really kind of that simple for a lot of this. Some of it, not so much, but a lot of the issues are just like, man, go out there and do your job. We'll be fine. Yeah. And you can so. go deeper into it. Like you said, you've got guys on the staff that can coach things up. You've got Aubrey Pleasant. But like what he is there for is not to teach you step A, B, C, and D, (laughs) you know what I mean? The first four steps you take and where your foot's supposed to be here and where your hand's supposed to be there. Like that's, you need to know all of these things and know how to do this and know how to not get juked. He's there to teach you nuance and to teach you depth and to teach you how to understand, you know, what to see before it's coming. Like that's what the coaches at the NFL level are here for. And it, this is why these rebuilds are really friggin' hard, especially when you do it with young players. And this is why we've written about this for three weeks now. The, the conversation about how much you're heaping on the backs of the coaches for development has to be recalibrated because it's too much. They do not, like you just said it, Colton, like Aaron Glenn's job is to find, is to develop a game plan to stop all of the shit that's coming at you every week. And in the NFL, that is a lot. And it's the fine guys who can do that. You don't have time to sit there and go through every single... You just don't. Like, it's not a thing. For that yeah. The yeah. game moves too fast. You don't have breathers. You don't have breaks. Guys get hurt. You don't have enough players, right? Your roster's shrunk. Like, it's just... The game is hard. It's hard. Like, this is what it is. And so much of it defensively in 2022... Um, more so than offense, for sure, because the the rules are the rules. Uh, you're as a coach, you're putting your life in the hands of the players. You're just I trust you. I trust you to please, please tell me that you know how to play cover too. <laughs> like I trust <laughs> you to do it. Like, and if the guy doesn't, then you're fucked. I mean, there's no other way to get around it. And yeah. sometimes that's that. Sometimes that happens, and that has been a thing that they have had happen here. And that, I think, is why we talked a lot about, you know, they need to pull back on the aggression. They need to play softer coverages. They need to give the guys help a little bit more and do things that they didn't want to do. This is not, And that's not what they want to do. That's not who they want to be. That's not what they want the program to be here. That's not what they want, the face and the identity and all that. But tough. The roster's not the roster yet. This is not the – these are not the guys if this is going to be the the, the, the regime – that get this gets this over the top. This isn't the fifty three that's going to do it, and that's the hardest part of this is to be objective enough as coaches to be on that same plane with the GM because the GM is always going to have to be objective enough to say cuts are going to have to be made. And I think sometimes that's we see that with coaches too. They fall in love with guys, and it's hard to pull back on that. But that's where we're at. Yeah, I agree. And again, to me, the way I kind of looked at this, it's like. Okay, you play a close game against the Eagles. That's a good offense. Maybe you can kind of give them a pass. Um, you know, week two, you kind of come back. You get a win. That's good. You did a lot of good mm-hmm. things in that first half against the Commanders. It's like, okay, maybe we're turning a corner. Week three, they were winning that Vikings game. And I think if they won that, like, we'd have a lot less issues about right. where they were at this point. They'd be 2-1 right. at that point. 
And then the Seattle game was where it's like, okay, everything just blew up in your face right now. Right. You don't have the pieces, so you have to adjust at that point. So that I was kind of looking at it by game by game basis, I, I suppose. Um, and I was looking at maybe week five to see some changes, but really after the buys when you can kind of implement a yes. lot more when you have that free time to kind of experiment and, you know, well, let's yeah, move What are we good here. at? What are we guy. not good at? Yeah. Exactly. Right. And I know people, like I tweeted some quotes from Campbell, I think uh, on Monday where he's like, defensive changes are coming. We, we looked at a lot of things. Some people are like, he said this before. Like, he's heard the same thing. It's like, <laughs> well, bullshit. yeah, man, it's not a one-week process. It's not like you put a Band-Aid on it and it's fixed all of a sudden. Like, that's yeah. not how it works. It's going right. to take time. It's going to take a lot of reviewing and seeing what you have and also evaluating yeah, what right. you have yes. to do it. Yes, so yes, I think we're at that period now where, okay, if, if they don't make some changes or, or if they do make changes and they're still not working, then – I don't know, you might just be shit out of luck for this year, but yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> they're at least trying to get there. And and I think that's what's important. And again, they're coaches and their job is to is to win these games and you know come through defensively for you know Aaron Glenn and his staff. But um again, I still think they're kind of working through some things. It's still early in the season and you know, maybe a little bit of patience is needed. And yeah. again, if they don't, if nothing ever if nothing changes and there's still oh, sure. like 35 points a game, then I think <laughs> yeah. that's fair to kind of demand more at that point. Yeah, totally totally fair. The other thing I wanted to talk about Defensively, before we move on, talk a little bit about the Cowboys here um, uh, in the matchup Sunday was, and we wrote about this a little bit in the story on Monday, but I think it uh, warrants further discussion. Uh, two draft picks that are killing them here. Um, one is Levi uh, with the injury and the fact that it's not there and he had back surgery, as, as we know. Uh, and the other is Derek Barnes. And I want to start with Levi, and I think Levi is the bigger one. And Barnes is still... He can get there, but Levi is the one that's really hurting here because they drafted Levi when they drafted him, um, and it was high. And you know, if people who really follow this, and as most of the people who listen to the show do, remember Holmes, I you know was super high on Levi. I think I wanted to trade up for him even, and like people were like, "Calm down, you need to wait." Like I, he loves him, loved him, like and and I saw all the reasons why Levi on Ruzerike is an explosive athlete. Uh, he's got all of the traits when all the stuff sort of clicks for him. He was a raw, sort of comes off the ball, and it's all in the lower half. His, you know, leg drive, the explosion, when he gets the hands into the chest of somebody, you know, the guy's moving back. He's hard to knock over. He's one of these, like, havoc creators. More than McNeil was a guy that could just put his hands in the chest of of a double team and blow it up, like, be the three tech who seals and crushes and crashes gaps and lets these linebackers run and, and roam and do all the stuff. They expected him to be the three tech who could move out and play heavy end to allow uh, McNeil to stay closer to the center and do what he does best. None of that has happened. Levi has not been able to play. Uh, McNeil has had to spend way too much time doing both, which I think has frankly hindered some of his growth. And we've seen how he still played well. He could, I think, be playing even better if he had someone near uh, with him. Brockers is not a full-time replacement here. He's not the answer. He was the guy that was supposed to train Levi, and now <laughs> Levi's hurt, and that's not really working. You know, they signed Bugs, and he's playing his ass off, but that's not a second-round pick that you took and tried to build your team around. It's killing them. It's killing Aaron Glenn, and it's killing their defensive growth and plan that he is hurt and that they don't have another him. So... Uh, this is this is a problem. 
I think. And it's a problem that is not going away. And this back surgery, uh, to me, brings about a question that we've talked about corner needs to be addressed. I got to tell you, I, I think that this might need to be addressed too. This this You need a more explosive answer in there at 3-Tech. And if he's still going to be hurt, you know, those are premium picks that you got to spend on guys like that. So what's the read on, on Levi Colton and, you know, we talked about this Monday, but I mean, which, where, where do you land on all this? Yeah, I mean, we talked even in training camp when we found out that he's going to miss some time. You know, that's not a good development. He needs no. all the reps he can get, especially when they change some things defensively. And this defense was supposed to suit his skills. Um, and they're supposed to get the most out of him, yes. I, I guess you can say. In some um, ways, it's kind of built around him. Not all the way, but he's a huge part of this. Yes, go I'm, ahead. I'm sure they built it with him in mind, thinking that he's yep. going to be inside there this year. And the fact that he hasn't, I mean... At least for the first month, you're like, okay, well, maybe he can work his way back. But also, mm-hmm. the back injury is not good. No, especially <laughs> for his good. position and what for they want position. him to do. Yeah, <laughs> it's not good, man. And no, it's not. Like, and 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 Holmes was like, we knew about it. You know, we, mm. you know, we have no regrets about it. But man, like, he's that's a, a year loss of development. He's out for the yeah. season now. Um, you know, he had the surgery last week. Like, he's all he can do is try to get back in, on track in right. 2023 Nothing. at this point. And so you lost him for the entire year. Um, and this defensive line, just we looked at it as a potential strength of this defense. And part of that is because the secondary is bad and the linebackers aren't great. But <laughs> yes. I mean, by default, it was, it was a well, strength. Well, right. But, but if he's healthy, you but know. Also, yeah. When you look at some of the pieces like on paper with mm-hmm. Levi in there, with Aleem doing his thing, with Aiden and, and Charles and Kaminsky right. and some of these, like there's enough there where you can be like, okay, yeah. Absolutely. I can see why. But with him out, with Paschal out, who Paschal's just now getting back in the mix, right. and you didn't have him the first six weeks of the season, and we'll see if he plays Sunday. I think he still needs a couple more weeks to get ready. Yeah. But um, and then Kaminsky missing time with the wrist injury. It's like also hurts, people are wondering yes. why there's no why there's no Paschal right now. It's like it was it was thin to begin with, and then you lose guys like that that are supposed to help you. Yeah, no shit. Right, <laughs> like, it's going to be a problem. Yeah, and one of the guys is Aiden, who's still trying to figure it out, and like. Yeah. And now Charles right. Harris is hurt. He missed yeah, the last right. game and didn't practice Wednesday. So it's like, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when so. you take out one of your, what you hope to be a centerpiece, and he hasn't played, it is a huge issue. The other part of that, which is probably more complicated, is Derek Barnes. And he is, uh, I think this conversation is tied to Romeo Aquara because he's the other guy. Romeo was the other thing that is killing them. Yep. We've talked about that a lot on this show. He still doesn't get talked about enough. I don't know where he's at. I don't know when that's going to come around, but you know, it's an Achilles. It's a thing. Have they talked about him before I keep ranting here is I don't think he's been mentioned in a minute here. Romeo. Um, it's still just sort of whenever I think he's coming. Al- I think someone said he's coming along. Coming along. Okay. Well, that's good. Like I wouldn't expect to see him until like <clears throat> late November, December <clears throat> at this point. If he yeah. plays, but yeah. So in any event, he's supposed to be, the Sam linebacker here. He's supposed to be the overhang, sort of the, the play the heavy side, uh, be the guy who can sort of drop some, but also rush and and do the things that they're kind of asking Derek Barnes to play right now. Um, and that's not Derek. You know, Barnes has been rotating with Pittman and um, Julian Okwara. And I think last game, they frankly just said, screw it and started Pittman because Julian was also struggling and Derek uh, is lost there. I mean, it just has not worked the way that they've, uh, I think. And again, he missed time early with 
with an injury last year. They tried to work him in the stack. He was sort of slow developing there, and he was kind of a projecty guy anyway. Injuries and all that, I think, have forced their hand, and he's had to play a little bit of, uh, you know, the hybrid edge, and also in this, and it's like, and now with him, I, I, I want to say like, stop everything, pull back, put him in one spot, leave him alone, and just let him grow and develop because he's one where I think you can do better with, you know, they can probably do a better job of giving him less to worry about and maybe try to figure out, Hey, can we count on him for the next couple of years? Levi, you can't do anything about that. There's nothing anybody can do. Um, but like, maybe you go to Shepard and say like, spend the next couple of weeks with bar. I don't know what it is. Maybe they've already done this, but like, we got to see on Derek Barnes. And I think that that's something that's getting to be, uh, antsy because he's not hurt anymore. And he's not really doing anything and he's struggling and it's not getting better. And like, that's a guy that, again, they took him at a pretty valuable spot and they expect him to be part of this. And it's not, it's not there yet. And so that's the other one that I look at and say, like, that's also kind of killing them. Romeo and Derek, not really coming along yet. Yeah. I mean, Derek was always kind of viewed as a project pick too, right? Yeah. When he was coming out of the draft. Yep. Um, so, you know, in some ways it's like, okay, it's only second year. You know, you can still figure things out. Right. You hope, you hope the light it's a hard one. Yeah. flips at some point. But at the same time, it's like, you know, we saw him it's in the preseason. He's <laughs> run fits in the yeah, preseason. Right. And, you know, they're moving him around. And maybe he's feels a little bit overloaded right now. But at the same time, it's mm-hmm. like, dude, you're an NFL player. Like, you got to learn how to yeah, do something right. in this league to stay on the field. And he just hasn't done it yet. He hasn't done it yet. And it's one where it's like, man, like, that's the stuff where, like, if you're going to take a jump – if you're going to make a leap as a team, those guys have to be the guys that do it. That's what the, has happened with the offense. You know, we talked about a lot of these second, third year guys that are taking jumps. They're getting better. They're turning the corner and becoming good NFL players, usable NFL players. Not happening. You cannot have second, third, and fourth round draft picks that are unusable. Can't have it. Can't can't have it. Like in and that right now. There's too much of that on defense. Melifon was another one that we didn't really yeah, touch on, you know. And he's how many snaps has he had in the last two years? And he's been hurt <laughs> on like three of them. Yeah, can't have it. Like those he might, are he might have, killing he might him. Played like seven snaps against New England, and he's had and he's had season-ending injuries on like two of his last ten snaps. Like <laughs> so, that you know, it's That's killing him, killing them on defense. Uh, it's a it's a lot of stuff. It's a cornucopia of frustration, as I like to say. Uh, but it is what it is, and some of it can get sorted. Some of it they're going to have to deal with and live with, and we're going to find out, as we said last week, this is where we find out for real, for real, about Aaron Glenn and those guys and how much they can do and maybe how much they have to go. Okay, Cowboys-Lions on Sunday. You've written, or you at, by the time this comes out, I suppose, later in the week anyway, if you're listening, uh, you wrote a little bit about Sewell yep. and Micah Parsons, uh, which is actually an interesting, beyond just the fact that it's going to be a – Really good matchup and one that I'm sure the whole league will watch. Um, but draft-wise, right? Same class, yeah. same range. Uh, was it back-to-back? Did the Cowboys – was it, were they right after or was it two spots? Uh, I can't remember. I Sewell was, I think, seventh overall, right? Yes. And I think Parsons was 12. Is he ninth or 12th? Okay. So, 12, yeah. Lions had a chance with Parsons. Uh, you and me and Chris – Yeah, you and me and Chris talked about this a little bit yesterday. Um, and – Chris had remembered that part. I think the Lions had told Parsons that he was 
I think at least maybe their top defensive guy or something like that. I don't know what the whole thing is. Yeah, Walk us through was, that whole thing, what you remembered there. So I did some research. I'll look back up to it. I guess earlier this year, um, Parsons went on Ryan Clark's podcast. And yeah, yeah. I guess he said at his pro day at, at Penn State, um, the Lions told him, hey, if you're there at seven and the board kind of shakes our way, like, right, we're, right. We're That's what it was. You. Um, and so he actually thought he was going to be a Detroit Lion and mm-hmm. <laughs> was kind of like, Keeping that in mind, he he mentioned a few other teams told him the same thing, but those were teams that were yeah. uh, lower than than seven. So um, he thought he was going to be a lion. Uh, I think that what what changed is when the Bengals, you know, pass on Sewell, Sewell. Yep. at five. The Dolphins were taking the receiver anyway. Uh, so seven came around. Sewell was still on the board. Parsons was still on the board. The Lions went Sewell, and the Cowboys snatched him up at twelve. And so it is going to be an interesting matchup to me because those are yep. two of the best young players at their position. Obviously, Parsons is one of the best players in the league at this point. Oh, yeah, it's, big time. You know, Sewell still has some work to get there. But, I mean, it's hard to say that either team's unhappy with their pick. <laughs> Not at <laughs> all, Based on no. how those two guys have played. It's a really interesting conversation because I was trying to remember back, and we always try to piece back, like, who based on what the, – and they'll, they'll never tell you, not even in a private moment. But, like, you try to piece together, like, what was their top five, right? And I think when we look back at it in that draft, the Sewell-Parsons draft – um, I think Sewell was one. I think Sewell was one. And I think Jamar Chase was either two or one A. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that both of those guys were gone, or, you know, Sewell was there anyway. Sewell was one. Chase was gone. He, they liked him a lot. And I think that that was one that they talked about. They would have taken him maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, Rashawn Slater was in the conversation as well. But I think that was only about like, you know, if Sewell was gone, maybe we take Rashawn Slater. But I think what I'm getting to here is I think Parsons was possibly three oh. on their board. I don't know that. Like, I know they liked Pitts. I know they love Chase and they love Sewell. But, like, Fields was not ahead of Parsons. I know that. Oh. Um, so, like, it's an interesting thing, right, when you hear those conversations. And I know, like, like you say, you went on um, Ryan's show and, like, when he says that, like, I'm sure people look at that and, like, oh, Maybe the Lions like hated Parsons and you're like, well, I don't think that that's true. I think they actually had him super high and it's interesting. Like what would, what they would have done with him, where they would have taken him. And I think back at the time, like we had no idea going into that draft, what Brad Holmes liked or didn't like. He was so tight lipped and still sort of is, but at the time, remember we didn't know anything. And so we were like, what do they want? Where are they like leaning? What's their favorite? And I look back at it now, and I think that that's what it would have shaken out as. It would have been Sewell and Chase. I think we're one A and one B, and Parsons is probably if those guys are gone, that's where we're going. And he's yeah. gonna. And I think they would have done exactly what Dallas has done with him, because there was that also conversation. You remember about is he gonna be a stack linebacker? Right, right, right. And I, you know, fascinating. I'm sure if teams knew what they know now, <laughs> yes, higher in that draft. And all. So yes. how much how much of that was a conversation before the draft? Whether like whether to play him on the edge to play him inside. Not enough, <laughs> frankly. Not he enough. Was a, he's a freak athlete. I, well, so I shouldn't. I shouldn't say that. Should work. It, it was a conversation in the NFL, like in NFL circles. It was. It was almost. It, it was. It wasn't. It wasn't because I think more teams were going to do exactly what Dallas has done. I think most NFL teams were like, "What the hell is Penn State doing playing him in the stack? <laughs> like yeah. he should be." But to be fair, the conversation I think around him was like he could be somebody that we've never seen before. That was really the conversation around him was because uh, it was, 
He got, I feel like he got lost in the shuffle to a degree that year because the same conversation happened about Pitts. Because it was, we've never seen really what, what this, this guy's a freak. We've really never seen a player like this. This, Kyle Pitts's, you know, testing stuff was Calvin Johnson level, basically, uh, to a degree. Not as freaky, but pretty close, uh, as close as we've seen since that time. So that sucked up so much air. And I think that the Parsons conversation was like, plus you had the quarterbacks that year and everything else. It just got lost in the shuffle. And I think that it wasn't really more of the more of the debate was like, did Penn State know what the hell they had here? Like he was a guy that in high school, if I can remember back to his as a recruit, Micah played like running back and receiver and tight end and was like fucking awesome at all of them. (laughs) And like when he got to Penn State, the reason Penn State got him because Franklin was like, you play whatever you want. Like, I don't care. Because I think everybody thought he was going to Georgia or one of these things. I remember this. Okay. And it was like, how the hell did Penn State get him? And it turned out that, like, Franklin was like, bro, if you want to play, like, fullback, you can play fullback. <laughs> like, I don't give a shit. You can do anything you want. Of course. Of course. Of course, of course right? And so, <laughs> yeah, long-winded thing there. But a Franklin big, not getting the yeah. most out of his talent? That's a shocker. <laughs> I, I can't believe that. <laughs> uh, but it's interesting to think about, though, right? I, I don't think the Lions, like you said, no buyer's remorse, I think, from the Lions. They know that this is a great player in person, but how could you be? I mean, they were so happy with the Sewell pick, and how could you oh, not? Right. I think that, yeah, I think that that's reflected for sure. So, so first of all, that draft is looking pretty damn good right I now. I think it I is, mean, yeah. With Pitts, you know, the, the Falcons need to get him the ball more, but Pitts is obviously a special He's talent. He's like, pretty good. Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, Sewell. Yes, uh, Horn with the Panthers, Sertain Slater, Bronker, Broncos. Oh, Sertain is Slater. Been awesome. Yeah, yep. And then Parsons and Devonta Smith, like in there too. Like that's a, that's a really great draft. Really so good draft, Trevor. Um, yeah, yep. The quarterbacks. Man. So Everybody I don't think feels. the Lions have any buyers in this. With yeah, yeah, no, feels good. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, Bears probably aren't so happy about that. Yeah, but, but no, right? Yeah, yeah. But what with Sue, the story and story that that I wrote, I think is publishing Friday. It's like. Mm-hmm. When you see the way that he's kind of coming along here, um, we saw it in training camp. Like, he's blowing up Jeff Akuda, paying no mind to it. Like, you asked yeah. about it later. He's like, I don't even know who I hit, to be honest with you. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. That's that's awesome. Um, you see him, like, taking those one-on-one matchups with Aiden Hutchinson seriously, kind of to Big show, time. like, I'm that guy. Like, I'm, I'm him. Like, you know, those kind of deals you see him in training camp. Um, you know, I think it was after the Seahawks game. I got him in the locker room. I, I noticed that he was like – pissed off in the corner everyone else is kind of just like mm. hey we lost we'll get back at it like no big deal he's like one of the few guys in the locker room that was pissed and yeah i i, I could see that yeah i debated on going up to him because <laughs> it looked like he was in a good mood but i was just like hey, give it a man. shot yeah. yeah i was like see what i can get i was like hey man uh you know obviously the, the loss is, t- is tough but you guys put up 45 points as an offense like, yeah what does that kind of say about this group that you can do that without some of your key pieces and he was like Honestly, bro, at the end of the day, it's still an L. Like, none of that shit matters. We don't get the win. Like, yeah, that's yeah. point blank period. That's where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm mad. Yeah. And he, again, to me, it's like, I know it sucks in the moment to be a losing team and to watch this franchise on Sundays and, you know, they're coming up short. But I'm telling you, man, if they get this thing turned around, yeah, it matters that, dude, that dude is going to be at the forefront of it. He's going to mm-hmm. be like the guy on this team. Yep. He's going to, it's almost like he's trying to will others into, having like a winning mentality around him. Mm-hmm. And I asked him yesterday in the locker room, like, you know, cause Hank Fraley said, this dude has a lot of goals in, in, in this league that he wants to accomplish. And I asked him, Oh yeah. Yeah. So what are you trying to do? Like, what, what does the future look like for you? And he's like, I mean, 
I have my own personal goals, but at the end of the day, like my biggest impact, I want to be able to like bring others to where I'm at, like my level of intensity, my level of confidence. I want to bring others along. I want like yeah. not only just the offensive line, the entire offense, this team, like that's what I want to be for this franchise and what I want to do in this league. And his mentality is a little different. And I think having a guy like that, who's not only as athletic and can move and do the things that he can do, but also has pairs it with that mentality. Yeah. That's a, that's a good pick. That's a great pick. And that's a franchise pillar right there. So um, I kind of wrote that story. I think it's running Friday. And, and honestly, this is a big test for him going against Scott Parsons. I know they move him around a lot, but I hope we get to see that match because that'll be a fun one for sure. It's a great conversation and a great, I mean, it's a great story and a great idea too, because like Parsons gets, is getting so much attention right now and rightly so he's been amazing. And he looks like a generational talent. Uh, at a position that gets a lot of attention, yeah. um, and rightly so, right? That's you're not taking anything away from him, but it's it's important to note that everything that Panay Sewell has done through however many games this has been, and the consistency has been there, and it continues to improve, and he continues to take on more workload and shoulder more, and all this, he had the same exact like t- this could be a generational player coming in, yep. and. He has shown exactly that. There's been nothing that has, and it's harder, I think, for people obviously to see that uh, just because of the position he plays. But I'm here to tell you, and Colton is too. Like he has, he's done it. He's shown. He's 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 gone on the track that we would have expected him to go on, and it was a pretty steep track when he got drafted. That is a guy that I think everybody holds to an insanely high standard, and he meets it almost every time. He has shown that generational, and when Hank talks about his goals in the game, he's never going to talk about them or whatever, but I'll promise you, Panay Sewell's goal in, in football is to be a Hall of Fame NFL tackle, maybe the best that's ever done it. That's what he wants to be, I'm sure, and it's yeah. on the table for him to do that. And so when you talk about a guy like him in Parsons going at it, yeah, man, that's a national battle because you know, you're right to think that Sewell's different because he is. He's a star. Like I think he's a potential superstar. Um that probably will be a superstar if all things go health and everything cooperates. And the fact that it means a lot to him, that's why I don't think you see guys like Colton and I get freaked out or Chris get freaked out or some of the other people, you know, Justin or people that cover the team because they do have some guys here that are really fucking good. (laughs) And like Sewell is going to be here for a while and he likes it here. And I think that that's something to remember in all this, right? I don't think that you should forget that. Yeah. He's definitely settling in. You know, he, I think he's kind of senses his place on this team. And, yeah. Um, you know, some of that stuff we talked about, I think, a, f- a few episodes ago with the defense and looking for a guy and mm-hmm. a voice with Tracy out. Offensively, they've got a ton of them. And Sue yeah, they do. is yeah. just now finding his voice. And also, the way you talk, you hear him talk about the game, I asked him, like, you know, what's the biggest difference from year one to year two? And he's just like, oh, God, yeah. I'm getting my technique down. I'm comfortable. I'm learning opposing game plans. He's so plans. good, man. He's like, he's like, early on my rookie year, it was about learning the game plan and, and, the, and the playbook. And just like, he's like, I felt like things were moving fast. But now it's slow. He's like, now, not only do I know what I'm doing, I can tweak things. I can figure out what oh, works yeah. for me, mm-hmm. use my athleticism to my advantage. And that is a scary thing for the NFL. And that <laughs> dude is confident and actually playing like he knows what he's doing. Like, that's... Yeah, that that's a an all pro, and top, he has been. Player. He has been all year, and it's and we talked about at the beginning of the year. What what would the track? What would it look like for Sewell at the end of the year to be a guy who's you're still on the right track? It'd be you're playing at an all pro level, and yeah, buddy, like he's on his way. I, I right. don't see anything that I would argue that that's not happening. 
knock on wood for him that all that takes care of itself. But that's the thing, and I'm glad you brought that up, Colton, this week especially, because it's a big matchup for him, and they both want to test each other, I'm sure. But, like, it's important for Lions fans, I think, to remember that. Like, people got hurt here, rightly so, when they've lost generational players that we came through here and, and never got anything, right? Like, that's – I get it. It sucks. But, like, yeah. he's here now. And he could be that type of guy. He's not at the type of position that we all celebrate like that, but he's here. He could be one of the best, if not the best, at a, at a money position in the league. And I think he really likes it here. I think he likes Hank. I think, so too. I think he likes Campbell. I think he likes being here. I think he likes the challenge of it, right? I think he likes all that. I think Frank, I think he likes being with all those guys. So I think that's a really good thing. I think it's not something that gets celebrated enough here, probably. And I understand that nothing should be celebrated right now because they're terrible. But important to talk about sometimes. And I think that that gets lost in the shuffle. One more thing. Uh, I think Sewell, PFF has him as the 11th best tackle in the game right now. And Mm -hmm. I think he's number four or five at right tackle. So he's been playing like a two. Everything backs it up. So, yeah, that's, that's a great pillar to have on your team. Really good stuff. Okay, well, in any event, uh, I think that's all for this week. Uh, Lion, next week we'll have a game to talk about again for the first time in a while, so we'll we'll go back over that. But I don't know what to expect, Colton. Uh, is Dak playing this week? Do we know? Is that been, sounds uh, like it? Sounds like Dak's coming back. So hey, all eyes are going to be on the Lions here on Sunday, right? This is this is sometimes oh, yeah. one of those historically where the Lions will surprise you a little bit and be like, hey, maybe we'll just ruin everyone's party. This is going to be a Cowboys. Probably. show right and they probably win the game and everything else but i've seen the lions ruin a few of these before over the years it's happened it hasn't not happened <laughs> but any event we'll, we'll see uh colt will be there to take care of it all and we'll talk about it next week to unpack it but in any event uh for colton i'm nick thanks for listening and we will talk to you next week 